Sports. It's OnBernardShow.com with Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt-Bernard, Mike Rasmussen, Ralph W. Basham, MD, the Hackmaster, Sean Bernard in for a few minutes, Doug Sprinthal from Walzer Automotive, Samantha Sansevier with a mic that works sometimes. Samantha Sansevier is Samantha's back from her fake trip to Sweden. (laughs) Featuring, don't interrupt me. Oh, yeah. And featuring Don <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> Forgot about you. We got so excited that Sam was in. <laughs> Somebody nice Sam. is in the studio, people. Sam, back from her fake trip to Sweden. To visit yeah. my fake boyfriend. I'm going to see my boyfriend, Olaf. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. Thank uh-huh. you, Olaf. We'll be back in a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about today. What you're going to hear now is a personal endorsement, which means all bullshit has to be tossed out the window because I have a stake in this ad. What I say now has to prove to be legit, or I will come off sounding like some jackass lackey who will say just about anything for a buck. And I don't want to be around one of those bottom-feeding morons, let alone actually be one. So when I say R.F. Moeller Jeweler will introduce you to caring and kind service that was once commonplace in this country, you should believe it. And when you hear best diamond, best price guarantee, you should know that's not just R.F. Moeller's guarantee. That is mine as well. A jewelry store is a jewelry store is a jewelry store, some will say. Well, that's a type of naivete. Ideal for your average Ponzi scheme dupe, but it really shouldn't be your approach because it's a view that all too often brings buyers remorse, and that is a lousy feeling. I'm offering you a guaranteed way to avoid it, people. I'm telling you the jewelry store waiting for you at Ford in Cleveland and St. Paul, 50th and France in Edina, and at Gavaday in downtown Minneapolis will never leave you feeling you made a mistake. Never. And what other retail operation can promise that? Learn more about my one and only jewelry store by going to rfmoller.com. A portion of the profits of the Tom Bernard Podcast goes directly to the Smile Network. The Smile Network is a nonprofit organization provides life-altering reconstructive surgeries and related health care services to impoverished children and young adults in developing countries. The Smile Network, together we are constructing lives, one bright smiling face at a time. Our special in-studio guest, Doug Sprinthal. Yeah, I know you know who it is. Oh, cut it out. (laughs) Unbelievable. You know, it's hard to come up with an anagram for Sprinthal. Not so much for Walzer, but for (laughs) Sprinthal. Why would you want to do that? Nobody knows who I am anyway. You don't need any further disguises. I didn't even know. I didn't even want to do it for Walzer, but it just popped into my head. I was like, ooh. What is it? We all love selling everything retail. Ah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> very sincere, Doug. <laughs> very shallow discounts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shallow, very shallow. shallow. Shallow discounts. Shallow discounts for shallow people. How's that? Well, so Sprint all you can start with some people really. I know you got that covered already, So, but going on from there, it takes a while. Okay. So Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, been sponsors of the KQ Morning Show for a million years. And Doug and I have been doing How long have we been doing the commercials now? I think the live one started right after we punched the guy from Clear Channel, pretty much, not in the Clear Channel, from Cumulus right in the face at that lunch program. You remember <laughs> oh, that? Oh, that thing. The guy looked. He looked amazingly like Mitt Romney. I'm probably going to get you in trouble. <laughs> uh, no, you know, yeah, I'm, I can get a lot of trouble. And the marketing director packed, uh, pointed at uh, Pat Eberts and Tom and said, "Look, we like these two guys. We don't really care much about you, though. And here's what we want." And he went, <laughs> "Okay." So that was. I think that was. Was that two or three years ago? God, it has to be. And it, yeah, it really changed. It. Uh, it's become the Seinfeld show of radio advertising, where we really don't talk about cars at all. It kind of is. But it's true. I, I tell you, it's really fun, and people come into the stores all the time and talk about those goofy spots that we make up uh, on the air uh, without any scripting whatsoever. No, we don't do a whole lot of scripting. I just go, hey, how's it going, Doug? And he goes, hey, the hell's wrong with you, Tom? I go, well, you know, where should we start? Yeah. Where should we start? My favorite one still is the one where you came on and said, Paul would like us to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and then we'll talk about this, and this, and this. And at the end of the spot, I said, who, who told you to do that? You said, well, Paul wants to do it. I said, why don't you tell Paul Paul to butt out? (laughs) Fortunately, he's got a great sense of humor. uh, (laughs) Yes. You didn't see the video presentation. We had the the big awards banquet for the employees Mm -hmm. on Saturday, and they put a video together. You were a part of it. But uh, the guy, uh, the creative director, Eric, uh, got the HR director to call him a piece of shit on camera. I, <laughs> in front of really? a thousand employees. I'll play it for you. Next you time know what's amazing is they asked me to do that stuff, and I said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I said, I'll call him a weasel. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. I'll, I'll show you the video in its entirety sometime, and you'll get a kick out of it. Your so they cut my they cut my anagram out, huh? Uh, I think you know they did. I I don't. I never saw the raw tape. What they showed was about two minutes long. Really? Yeah. That was the best part of it. Well, you look sensational. Yeah, I bet. You really came across. I think people were stunned that you you were on there. You and uh, Passolt, that really made a big impression on me. Passolt. Oh, Don't call now. us. We'll call you. That's the station <laughs> calling. KQ calling me. What do you mean, Mitt Romney? Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, I'm glad, glad I don't work for him. They'll get over it. So basically, we're going we're gonna to do not the same thing on the Tom Bernard podcast that we do on the KQ Morning Show. We're going to continue to do the KQ Morning Show stuff. That's the KQ Morning Show. But we're going to do different stuff here. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's about how much I get out of him on the air, too, by the way. Yeah, Doug's going to be in a couple of times a week, uh, depending on his schedule. His tight schedule. Yeah. His tight schedule of kid shifting, I think is what he called it. But uh, So he'll be in here a couple of days a week, and uh, we're going to do things a little differently than your standard advertising. And uh, So, yeah, it'll be good to have Dougie around for the first part of a couple of shows a week. We shall. I'll be, you know. You're I'll suspending be. judgment, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I'll be totally the judge of that it. one. It'll be wonderful. We'll just I do, do have a to... seven-day contract extension. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yes, thank you. And you also have this uh, freedom, Doug, and I want you to feel free to use it any time you want to. But um, if during the discussion you want to say uh, all of the other dealerships that are not in our group can go fuck themselves. Perfect. You can say that if you want to. Don, i got to tell you something. <laughs> you, you do know that car salesmen tend to swear a lot. Yes, I that, do. We're no. the guys that taught the sailors how to do it. <laughs> so to go on live radio all the time and not it's do tough. that is really hard. So I'm yeah. going to have oh. to rewire my cortex. I don't think I've ever lit the F-bomb off on uh, nope. the, the uh, frequency modulated airways, but there was a couple of times I was close. You know, I, many, many years ago, I got, I, I, when I, at the very start of my radio career, I went up to work in Grand Forks, North Dakota at KNOX Radio. Lucky dog. And you have to remember when I left Minneapolis, I had never heard the even the, the uh, ex-urban Minnesota accent. I'd never heard it. So I got up there, and there's a whole new way of speaking English up there, man. I'll tell you that. So this car salesman was at the pool hall. He said, hey, I heard that you're on that uh, radio. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm on the radio. It's radio. I got a great joke you can tell on the radio. <laughs> I'm like, where the fuck is this? Where are you from? <laughs> Sounds like he snuck in from Ireland. <laughs> Honest to God. It's radio. <laughs> so he goes, <laughs> so he says, what did the Quaker say to the Roman Catholic? I said, what? He goes, fuck D. And I said, fuck D. He goes, no, no, not D, D. I'm like, fuck D. That makes no sense. He goes, no, it's not D. It's D, T-H-E. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. The. He could not say the word the, though. He couldn't even say it. Well, he tried to say it and couldn't anyway. say it. Yeah, it's not a funny joke anyway, but it's a typical car salesman. That's all I'm saying. Oh, thank you very much. And Tom sounded like he was from the south side of Chicago back yeah, then, too, so I can imagine a... the two... Uh... Voices oh, it, going it was just it. weird, though. He's like, yeah, you're working on the radio. Let's get that, those vowels a little longer there, <laughs> sir, if you possibly could. <laughs> you know, the first time you hear that accent, if you grow up in the city, the first time you hear that accent, it's really weird. I hated the movie Fargo because of that accent. I couldn't watch it. It was spot on, though. It just, I don't know. It just came across to me as the Coen brothers are just co- too cool to be here. That's what it came off. Well, they are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, everybody else in the U.S. thinks that even people from Minneapolis-St. Paul talk like that, and it's they do. Not, yes, it's yeah. not nearly it's as true. harsh as when you go up. up no. North. Oh, sure. No, not at all. No. From somebody that's not from around here, let me tell you, when that movie came out, and everybody go, "Oh, Christ, we don't talk like that." I know. <laughs> Most Great. people, but but like I said, the first time I ever heard that accent was when I was about four years old, and we went to Dayton's. Uh, by the way, when we went to Dayton's when I was four years old, they still had your whites-only fountain. Really? Yeah, Did they? Good. Really? Huh. That's crazy. Yeah, think of that? <laughs> that's going back a ways. Yeah. You would think in Minnesota in 1960 they wouldn't even need the sign. 1960? I don't know. True. Because there were no there blacks. Were three, yeah, yeah. three black water. people in the whole state. Okay. Yeah, it's true. There were no <laughs> blacks to drink the water anyway, so it all worked out in the end. 
It all works out in the end. So, Doug, what do you? How do you want to do these uh, these endorsements? I have no idea, Tom. I just thought well, we'd try a bunch of different things and see what works, and then go on. Yeah, we got all day. Just yeah. go ahead. Paul's a pain in the ass. Can we start out with that? <laughs> Actually, you know, it's interesting because I get asked about with clients once in a while. And the first time you go with clients, you're like, I don't know, man. People? Because as Doug will tell you, I'm not big on, on like, doing personal appearances or hanging out with people I don't know or any of that stuff. But uh, So the first time, you're kind of reluctant. But... Paul's such a laid-back guy, and so is Andrew, actually. Both of them are very laid-back. And you're like, oh, okay, this works. Plus, if you bring him really expensive wine, then he really he really sits up and yeah, has a great Yeah, he takes notices time. of that, that's for sure. He does indeed. <laughs> then he calls you and goes, what the hell? Here's a guy, though, uh, one of the first times we ever went out, Paul Walzer, went to Bar La Grassa, sat in the wine room, had a great night. Just uh, The dinner lasted six and a half hours. It was a blast. Remember that? Great night. Six and a half hour dinner. Oh, so this is, oh, God, what, three years ago? Was that about right, Doug? I I might have been five. Might have been five years ago. You know what had to be? I think you're right. I think it was five years ago. Because it was before the last election. It was definitely before. Well, last election. Well, two elections ago. So it had to be two. two, It had to be five years ago. Because Paul said, well, let's all make a bet. We'll bet, was it 20 or $40? Twenty each, twenty each, and everybody got to go around the table and name who they thought the the uh, next president would be. And uh, went around, and Alan said uh, Barack Obama, and I said Tim Pawlenty, and blah blah blah. Everybody went around the table, and Paul said, "Well, I'll hold the money." Yeah. We never saw it again. That's true. So you were giving a bunch of money to a car dealer, and you thought that was going to be safe <laughs> without a contract. I thought, yeah. you, I thought you grew up in the city, Tom. That's yeah. a pretty good point you're making. <laughs> you there, should you know, know better than that. Well, I'd like to ask some there. questions to Doug about cars, if that's okay. You can do whatever you want. Fire yeah. away. Uh, As always. Because the Walzer Group is so large and contains so many uh, different uh, kinds of vehicles, what are the primary vehicles uh, by, by manufacturer that you like to promote the most? Well, we're a retailer. You know, our job is not really to create the desire for the brand. We look at that as a manufacturer's job. Our right. job is when somebody says, you know, I think I want to buy a Toyota, we want to be on that shopping list. As a retailer, gotcha. that's the way it works. So if you pick the favorites, you go with the easy ones. Toyotas are, uh, Toyota and Honda are our largest brands, highest volume. The, the amount of business that we do in the Toyota store uh, in, the, in the sale months is unbelievable. We have, have 700 car months this year. Jeez. Wow. And when you think about the logistics of just handling that many people, and manufacturers rate dealers on customer satisfaction, so you not only have to sell them the car, you've got to be nice to people, which is obviously the proper thing to do, but it becomes a big logistics problem in those big stores because if one thing breaks, it costs a lot of money and the whole thing falls down. Yeah. So you're selling the value of the brand of the name that it uh, delivers no matter what kind of car you want to buy. Right. It will deliver the Walzer brand service, That's backup right. guarantees. Yeah, it's all the stuff. And, you know, the the most revolutionary thing that we did uh, 10 years ago was we became a one-price dealer group. And it was really Andrew, Andrew Walzer that launched that initiative. When it did was, he show up for work? <laughs> well, that was about the time that he actually he had gotten married and he – uh, who is that? Don't call us. We'll call you. That's my. <laughs> that's Tom's phone. That's my what is the name line. of that band? I can't remember. Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf. That's there right. it is. Um, so when when he switched us all to one price, we thought he was crazy because we were trained cutthroat nego- negotiators. But he said, you know, the internet's going to change everything. Customers are going to have the same information that we have. Mm-hmm. It's time to to rewire business and. The first couple of years were a disaster. You know, the turnover hit 100%. All yeah. the old salespeople left, and we had to rebuild from the ground up. And it, but it, he was right. It's obviously the way people And did you do something it. on commissions as well? Yeah. Well, you know, when we go to one price, it, the the salespeople have no control of the selling price of the vehicle, so to pay them on commission doesn't make sense. Right. We've had a – I don't want to turn this into an hour-long show about Walzer, but we've had a big journey on – Oh, no, you're only going to be here another two minutes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> on salespeople, and first we paid them, you know, X number of dollars for a car, and, and two years ago we started paying them hourly, yeah. and we got a much higher uh, uh, caliber of employee. We only let them work 40 hours a week. If they want to work 
90 and get divorced a couple of times and drink. We do have management <laughs> positions open. But now you're talking about the you right. car sales. But the people yeah. that are actually selling the cars now, it's like, God, they're all been to college and they're nice people and they're not, you know, cutthroats and killers. And, you know, that's the way you sell a lot of cars. You yeah. have to have good pricing. But it's it really comes down to the experience that you try to generate on the show floor. Yeah. And the people, too, yeah. because people keep coming back to the people. I know people who have bought cars and the salesperson has gone to a different dealership entirely. Right. They follow, they, the, they fo- they follow mm-hmm. the salesperson because they trust that salesperson. Right. How do you engender that in your staff? Well, for the one price thing makes it a lot easier. Sure. If you create a good experience and people feel that, and that's why they followed salespeople in the old days, is because, like, I don't think this guy screwed me where all these other guys probably would. Right. So they'd stay with that. We're trying to make it so they'll follow the dealership rather than the salesperson. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, final question time for you. Allow me to ask one more. Of course. Um, How can we stop you? <laughs> okay, Catherine, I'm going to not ask that question now <laughs> since you're such an asshole. Oh, asshole. She's a long ways away. Asshole is kind of negative. A little bit negative, but I think she was negative. A little bit. Me, a little bit. You know, she throws a punch, you hit her back, right? No. I mean, that's what you do. Maybe a little bit too close boom, to the boom, mark. Boom. That's a nerve, maybe. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to pay t- uh, Don X dollars from now on. Yeah. I like that oh, idea. Good, good. He'd appreciate that. He'd I'm appreciate on, X. I'm on commission now for every asshole that I say. <laughs> so I get a little bump. Now, uh, Doug, the, the uh, uh, final question, and I'll back out of this, is um, over the past, uh, I would say, five years, um, m- maybe ten with the Toyota line, that uh, – what are you seeing happening in energy efficiency, energy efficient vehicles? What kind of demand curve are you on? Excellent question. And here's the the frustrating thing for I think manufacturers and deal. It's all driven by customer demand, and for the most part, their memories are really short. Uh, 2008 was a big example. That was the year of gas shot. A, it's the, it's a the change. Four dollars yeah. a gallon. Everybody traded in Yukons and bought Priuses. In the fall, gas went back down to two bucks. Guess what happened? Yep. They traded them back in and bought. It's crazy. It's bad economics for the customer. It, it's hard for the dealer and manufacturers too because you can't make any plan. You don't know when, when the demand's going to drive up. There's there's really two kinds of people that buy uh, environmentally friendly cars. One that are trying to make a good financial decision and an environmental statement, and then other people that think, oh, four dollars a gallon is the end of the world. And, and that part is so big when the change happens that it drives the market and screws everything up. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thanks no, I have that. to do That's... my part. Yeah. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Ah! Hey. Put a little tag on Good job. It. Beautiful. You could probably do that for a living. <laughs> How long are you going to stick around, Doug? You don't have to go. Do I've you? just got a, I got probably five or ten minutes. What? I'm sorry. What do you have to do? That's what I told him. I told him he only had 15 minutes. But you're done talking about damn cars now, Doug. That's it. Yeah, no, that's fine. (laughs) I just love the fact that he, yeah, oh, I got to go. I have to drive to Owatonna to figure out a marketing plan for there now that we have Cadillac. That's That's right, you have Cadillac. Mm -hmm. Yep, we have one. How about this? Go go with this slogan. (laughs) I know it's not Cadillac. It's a different deal, but Walzer, the people who got rid of Planet Ford just in time. (laughs) <laughs> that's an inside joke if I've ever heard one. Yeah, no, that's really good. You were looking at a Cadillac, Tom, weren't you? That you we're, liked? Yeah, it's the ELR, right, Doug? Yep. Yeah, I got a little more. I I sent you an email about three weeks ago. About I got that. it. Yep, good. We, we were talking about it. Now, t- what, what is it exactly? What's so, what's so great about the ELR? Basically, it's the world's nicest Chevrolet Volt. It's a car that runs on batteries. Huh? Um when the batteries die, there's a generator that fires up, runs on gasoline to continue to drive the car. Unlike the pure electric cars, you don't have that fear that, oh, geez, you know, their battery's dead. What do I do? And, mm-hmm. you know, that is a problem, especially, you know, in Minnesota when the temperatures go down, these cars, you know, the range is, is pretty limited. So since it has a gas generator, not a gas motor, uh, does that mean – no oil changes and so forth, just like an electric car? A uh, little bit different. You would have to maintain the, the generator to some extent. But unlike a Prius, which really has... Because the generator is an internal combustion engine. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Uh, but unlike like the Prius where the, the gas engine is working, you know, 30 to 80% yeah. of the time, depending on how long you drive an ELR or a Volt, 
you, you may never run the gas generator. If you can drive under 40 miles a day and plug your car in every night, it's never going to come on. Yeah. Mm, that sounds like something Andy was interested yeah. in. You know, I don't really, uh, I try my best not to drive more than 40 miles a day. I was thinking this is going to be one rough part of it is when Doug and Andy start talking, having conversations. <laughs> well, I don't know much about your son, but I know we share one thing in common. If we start talking about sports, it's going to be really, really short. <laughs> Very true. I'm with you, brother. I'd rather be dragged behind a truck than watch the Vikings. No Tim sunny. Tebow jokes. Yep. Kind of a negative comment about our Vikings who just hired a new head coach today. Yeah, sorry. Whose last name means? Old what's-his-name. His last name is is Room in German. Room. Room. Yeah, you Room. You don't you don't know how to say Room in you German. Know, I, I don't. No. I don't think. Kann das Deutsch sprechen? Nein, nein. You could Google it while I'm reading this. How about that? So you're thinking about starting a new website? Maybe you have a new small business idea and want to sell something online. Maybe you want to show off your photography, or maybe you want to start that new podcast. GoDaddy's offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Each new.com comes with a free Insta page website and built-in photo album. So what are you waiting for? Get your website started today. Go to GoDaddy.com, enter code word Barnard. That's B-A-R-N-A-R-D. GoDaddy.com, code word Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Anybody come up with it? Mm-hmm. Zimmer. Zimmer. That's right. Oh. Mike Zimmer. So haben dich zu denken, Mike, und nicht viel gelegen, Zimmer. That was... Throw Schwartz in there and I'll be happy. Shots up. <laughs> Thank you. Bitte. Bitte. Bitte schön. Bitte. Oh, you know what's really funny? You know what's really funny, Dougie? Yeah. I look at my phone just now because I turned the ringtone off. I look at my phone just now and it's Pat Ebert's calling. What are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's really excited about this. He's probably got Mitt Romney calling him right now. Pat is the sales rep for uh, the Q and a great guy. Well, let's not get carried cousin, away. You pick on Sam. him all the time. I tell you what, you're so lucky that he works for you. I tell you, he's Are just you great. insane? He is the hardest working, most dedicated sales rep I've ever seen. Although the bar is pretty work. low. Um, you've never seen me at hard at work, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> is that the action right there? He will get nervous when he finds out about the Mitt Romney crack, though. <laughs> He'll, He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I want to give you um, one of the most recent uh, Gallup and Pew research polls. Okay. It suggests that now I'm going to go from the lowest to the top. The United States Congress is 10% of public approval. Mm-hmm. The government of North Korea is 11% That's correct. approval. That's correct. Yep. Oh. Car salesmen are twelve percent. So, oh my so, God! You yeah. are better than the government of North Korea. Now, see, yes. it depends on but how you Congress figure it. Congress can't say that, right? And we're actually twenty percent better than the Congress, which is it's good. <laughs> and then you get to Doug, who's like a breathalyzer, point one oh. <laughs> Thank you very little. Thank you very little. I think we have a lot of fun when you come in, Doug, because what what we're going to do actually when he comes in, ladies and gentlemen. Doug Sprinthal will just be joining in in all the stories and whatever we're talking. Like yesterday, we talked about maps of the world, uh, the happiest people, the wealthiest people, the uh, slavery. It was a bunch of maps from the Washington Post, so we talk about interesting stuff. We'll, we'll stay off of sports as long as you're in. Okay. Okay. So I'll never come in on a Monday because that's when Kostaki does uh, quick snaps. Well, so there's only two weeks left of the football season anyway. Well, he could until Kostaki comes in, though. I, d- I did true. watch a really good sports movie the other day, though. What? It's uh, You can stream it on Netflix. It's called Knuckleball. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, Have yep, you I seen that? It's, great. it's kind of the yeah. Tim Wakefield story, but it's it's yeah. really, really good. The photography's great. And these guys are like cultists. They had the Huff Brothers on and... Uh, yeah. Right. It's 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 uh, if you end a baseball, it's a great it's a great flick. Tom, See, I just wanted to tell you uh, mm-hmm. a break coming up, and we've got a guest on the line. You are absolutely right. That's why I read that there because we already, already did our Walzer spot, in which I said, "God, Doug, it's so great working with you all these years, and it just keeps getting better." I'm doing my Pat Ebert's impression. Now. <laughs> it gets better all the time. You got to take just, more breaths. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know. I'm going to tell a joke at the end of it. That's not going to be funny in the goddamn least, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Well, he made a Rod Serling reference in a commercial today. I'm like, Rod Serling? Eberts, you're nuts. I know you're listening, so I want to tell you you're crazy. I just want to point that out. So, Doug, I know you got to you got to get going here. 
I do know that, sir. But uh, thank you very much for you guys having faith in in the show and me and this show and everybody on this show. And it just it'll be a ball because I'm never letting you. Know, I'll be doing this show until I'm like 90, so we'll be on there. <laughs> It'll probably be earlier in the day, though, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it's true. And by the way, a, a quick movie recommendation before you go. Not a great movie, but interesting. The way it's, uh, this kid who stars in its name is, God, is it LaFranco? La Can't remember his first name. It's a movie called Jamesy Boy. It's a true story about a kid goes to prison and is mentored by an older murderer. Uh Spencer LaFranco. Spencer LaFranco. There's his name. Thank it's you. It's Lo Franco, too, not yeah. Law like you it's think. It's not Law. It's a Lo Franco, yeah. yeah. But anyway, James Woods is in it for about uh, about three-quarters of the movie. And I love anything. Anything James Woods is in is great. But this kid does. And, and again, it's not a great movie, but it'll show you how kids get trapped into that whole lifestyle. They end up committing crimes, going to prison. But Ving Rhames is the... Uh, is the murderer who mentors this kid and straightens him out. He does. I love Ving Rhames. Yeah, I do too. Ever since uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, <laughs> that's right with the gag ball. Yeah. Does he say to the kid, I'm going to go meet Elon, yo? Oh, yeah. oh, I'll tell you one thing. You're talking to me like that again, I'm going to choke the shit out of you. <laughs> it's just the greatest. It's just the greatest. Doug, thanks very much, man. And drive safely to Owatonna. Yes, I will, sir. And I think I'm going to see you or talk to you in a couple of days. That's perfect. See you later, Tom. Thanks very much. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Is Catherine ready to go? Yes, I am. Uh, yes, she is. She is there. Yeah, we're going to take the break after the interview because we did go daddy and, and Walzer right there, so we're good to go. See how I got that all planned out for you? Wow, well you did a great job. You see that little, I got this. This Almost guy's like been on radio before. Catherine Mayfield, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a complete bully. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, a bully, what makes a bullying expert? Someone who's been through it, um, learned how to recover from it, and then has learned how to explain to other people the same process. Now, Catherine, I do have one problem, and I'm very serious about this. Um, I think some people pointing the finger at others and saying, well, you're a bully, have really diminished the true meaning of the word bully. There was a woman who lost a bunch of weight after she had three kids, got in shape, uh, mm-hmm. put a picture of herself up on a, on a website, maybe Facebook it was with her three kids, and says, what's your excuse? And everybody called her a bully. That's not bullying. I mean, she might be a pain in the ass, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she shouldn't have done it, say, what's your excuse? But that's not bullying. Wouldn't you agree? No, bullying is repetitive over a period of time. It tends to be focused. Like, that picture isn't directed towards any one specific person. Yes, There's a lot of people it could apply to. Like, Tony Soprano was a bully. Where is the line, (laughs) Catherine, where is the line drawn? Um, Because we've had these discussions before, and uh, invariably someone comments, either a caller or even someone uh, in the uh, group will say, uh, I'm fed up with all of this attention to bullying because kids can't be kids to each other anymore because uh, they're bound to say mean things to one another. And is saying a mean thing to another child bullying? That, that specifically is not bullying, in my opinion. And I think there are probably a lot of opinions about where the line is, but um, bullying is, is basically repetitive behavior designed to, to cut down the person's self-esteem, you know, designed to gain control over someone or have power over someone. It's really interesting, Catherine, as I, I was thinking back, and people don't believe me when I tell them this, but I grew up in the inner city, and there is not a whole lot of bullying in the inner city. People do not bully in the inner city because you're living amongst psychopaths and you start bullying a psychopath, you got problems. I'll tell well, you. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. And, well, because, no, and probably because the one being bullied does have friends and does have family. Yep. And maybe they might not be able to respond. But once they tell the story, uh, I was bullied and my mother went to school and beat the ass of a kid who's bullied. <laughs> I love it. Really? Yes. Good for her. I love yeah, it. No, she did. Carlton, I, I told you about Carlton Potts. I would yep. not go to school for days at a time just so I would not have to face Carlton Potts, my my uh, classmate. And what was he doing to you, Don? Uh, he uh, every every day threatened to kill me. Oh, 
Jeez, how old were you? Uh, sixth grade. And how old was he? Sixth grade. Oh. But he well, was big, he was bigger. You know, we well, you know, yeah, kids grow different terrible. sizes at that time. But I but, wouldn't want to go to school either. No. Yeah. But I finally no. told my mom. She said, "I'll handle that." <laughs> so it, wasn't my, it wasn't my dad. I, my dad was cowering someplace, afraid of Carlton Potts too. But sure. they, uh, but uh, mom, she's four eleven. She didn't care. So she went in. Did and she you asked, mind her handling it? No, no. Good. I was very, good. very glad it was a good that day. somebody handled it because the teachers weren't handling it. Well, there you go. The school super, the school superintendent, school principal, none of my teachers, nobody would handle it, and they knew it was happening. It's horrible. They knew why I wasn't coming to school. They did nothing at all. That mm-hmm. happens so often. Yeah. Even now, I still hear that from parents. The school is doing nothing. The school is ignoring it. Is um, the school afraid of lawsuits? Are they? Af- is that the reason they do nothing? Could be. It could be. I think. I think there's also confusion and uncertainty as to how to really handle it so it doesn't escalate. You know, because words words are hurtful, but knives are another issue. You know, and if something escalates, then I think school officials are worried that violence will occur. You know, I I just remembered something. I do want to get to get to how you were bullied too. I remember when I was in, I guess seventh grade. At Cleveland Park in North Minneapolis, there was a there was a kid there, and he well, he actually wasn't a kid; he was a a, a grown man, but he uh, had uh, disabilities, mental uh, disabilities. Is that mm. guess the best way to put it? But he would hang out, nicest guy in the world. But you know, you could tell the guy had, you know, as I said, disabilities, and uh, you could just tell. And this new kid came in the neighborhood, and he thought it was kind of funny to poke fun at him. Mm. Yeah, and everybody walked over and said, "I wouldn't do that if I were you." <laughs> Why not? It's funny. Well, there's a guy that comes to this park every night, and if anybody bullies Jerry, it's not pretty, man. I'd stop doing it right now if I were you. Oh wow! And the guy, oh, I'm telling you what, it was none of us either. But Jerry had this guardian angel, man, and if anybody messed with him, oh, it was hideous. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you another side of the story. Oh. We had a classmate. Uh, her name was um, Judith. I won't say her last name because Priest. this is a podcast and her um, parents may be listening, her family may be listening. <clears throat> she was uh, a bright kid. She was awfully uh, difficult to look at, and uh, she was overweight. And everyone in the class marginalized her and made fun of her. And she was never a part of anything. Um, no one would ever, no one would ever choose her when you choose up sides for kickball or baseball or basketball. She always yeah. had to sit out and watch because uh, some teams would rather play with fewer people than have her on the team. Um, wow. She was a bit clumsy. Um, at my class reunion, I suppose it would be the tenth class reunion. Um, I didn't get to go, but I, I asked about some people to some friends who did go, and I said, "Is did did Judith show up? I was interested to see if she'd you know come to some strength and was able mm. to present herself." And they said, "No, uh-huh. she committed suicide." Oh, oh boy! God. And and let me tell you what that did to me. Um, it it put me in a depression for two years, not that, that because I I wasn't an active bully. I I didn't bully her. I never did do that. But I was part of the group that did it and I allowed it to happen mm-hmm. in my presence and I today I hate myself for not doing something. And mm-hmm. and there hasn't uh, not a not a day goes by when I don't know that I always must do something now. Right. Whenever yeah, anything that's like what that you happened. learn. Yes. But I learned and I'm, that I'm way so too late. I'm sorry that happened to you, but I want to tell you that um, you didn't know any differently. Nobody else stood up for her. You know, at now you know, you know, that one can stand up and say, you know, we need to include this person. But I, 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 don't be too hard on yourself because you didn't know. You were only following the example of the adults, I imagine. But That's at the same time, I stood up for a kid uh, with a 
cleft palate. We, and, they, and everybody called him a hair lip and hair lip and hair lip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what I just told you was the lowest moment of my life. One of the greatest moments of my life is we were playing baseball against a team. This kid was a friend of mine on the opposite team because he visited a next-door neighbor of mine, and we became friends over the summer. And I mm-hmm. stopped seeing his cleft palate. I just didn't see it anymore because I saw him so often. But my teammates... Um, kept calling every time he'd come to bat. Would call him hair lip, hair lip, hair lip, hair lip. And finally, Dang. I stood up to the guys and I just said, "Dudes, if you say anything about my friend again like that, I'm going to knock the shit out of you." And so Good they they stopped. Now here's here's the the best moment of my life. The father of the neighbor, uh, who the kid always visited, was uh, Eddie Stewart, and he was oh, probably 55 years old. Walks over to me. I'm I'm maybe 12. He walks uh-huh. over to me, extends his hand, shakes my hand. Adult had never uh, sh- uh, shook my hand before. And he shakes my hand and says, you are my hero. Wow. And, wow. And that set the stage for, I just went, okay, if that's it, if that's how you become that, then that's how I'm going to be the rest of my life. And, Catherine, you were right, by the way. Wow, that someone would have to stoop that low to get Don as their hero. <laughs> How did sad she, is did that? Did she whisper that off camera to you? I, no, I'm talking about Catherine Mason. Right? Oh, Catherine. I, th- I thought you were oh, your wife, Catherine. So quick to blame no, me. Well, no, but you're the resident <laughs> asshole. I figured you'd do oh! that. <laughs> wow. Such oh! hostility. Just because I haven't been bringing candy in because I've been gone. No, because wow. you've been mean to me recently. And, <laughs> and, and I'm fighting back. I will not be bullied. Oh, okay. That's a good, good thing. So, so the, com- the common denominator I'm seeing of all these comments is that uh, bullying has to be, res- you have to respond to bullying with a threat of violence. Yeah, that is weird, isn't Pretty it? Much. Well, that's that's in the day. Now I know some, well, well, some new some new things have come up, and that is with the resources available in and training of school uh, teachers and superintendents and principals. They recognize more and more now that bullying uh, often results in marginalization. Marginalization often results in things that no one wants to see, like Columbine, etc. And so yes. they feel like they have to be proactive. And so we, those people who, who are getting bullied are finding more and more allies within that. And it doesn't result in, in going in and kicking somebody's ass. That's true. Well, that's and there are, there are other things that someone who's being bullied can do. What? One, of course, is just to walk away, just to, to stay out of the bully's way, not respond, because bullies are looking for, you know, a big emotional reaction. They're looking for someone mm-hmm. to say, leave me alone, mm-hmm. you know, or something. So if they don't get any emotional reaction at all for, for several times in a row, sometimes they'll just stop because it's not that fun. Well, but in, in the case of Carlton Potts in this case, I never did confront him. I never did fight. I never whined. I mm-hmm. did vacate. I did leave, and that's exactly what he wanted. Oh, he wanted me out of the picture. Where, wherever he was present, he didn't want me around. And so whenever he was in the uh, vicinity, I went somewhere else. Mm. And so that was his power. Now, Catherine did, Mayfield. Did he talk to you or bully you with words? Oh, yes. Or was yeah. It just a, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then so it culminated in that, that final uh, action is that I just always avoided him, which changed my whole social structure and changed the way that I went to school or did not go to school or whether I did this or whether I did oh, that. It just makes you feel vulnerable and yeah. weak. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Yes. So yes, it does. So I, I, I don't mean to be a thorn in your side, but that so that doesn't work. And if, a, if, I, if I was a bully or when I was bullied and I walked away, they grab hold of you and pull you back. So... So, what are some of the other some there are some other things that can be done uh, for children or adults who are being bullied uh, to uh, get off from underneath it without the threat of physical violence or without acting out that way? There is there is one phrase that can be really useful, um, and that is to take a very strong stance, look the person right in the eye, and say, "Excuse me," which doesn't necessarily confront them, and it doesn't you know show that you're afraid of them, you're, you're basically communicating to them, I know what you're doing, and I'm standing here and being strong anyway. 
And oftentimes for adults, it will give the person who was bullying the other person a, a chance to sort of hear what they said and recognize, oh, okay, you know, they got what I'm doing. I better ease off a little bit. So that, that works fairly well in workplace bullying. In some instances, you can't because if it's your boss, you know, it, it's your paycheck. And all you can really do is go home and get, you know, the bad feelings off the best you can. And what's most important to know about being bullied is to not take it personally because the bully is, is always digging, you know, at our most vulnerable parts. So it's designed to get at us in a personal place, in a personal way, you know. But if the person being bullied can just sort of pretend it's a movie, you know, pretend it's not happening, just, you know, go somewhere else in their head. Someone I knew always used to say, get curious. Get curious to see what's going on and how how funny or silly the bully looks while they're you know trying to be powerful. Because what goes on inside bullies is that they're feeling very weak usually and incompetent, and they're just trying to put somebody else down so they can feel stronger. So it's not really about the person being bullied; it's about the bully. There's something. There's someone they have to be better than. Yes. Yes. They have to be one up. That's now, right. Catherine, real quickly. Uh, what can moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas, what can they do to help in a situation like that when a child confesses to having been bullied? And and with the additional question of how um, how then not to make the uh, parents appear weak and ineffectual because there's something they can't do about it. Mm, that's a good point. Some of the things that parents can do are to listen to the kids. You know, because parents are great problem solvers. They, they listen for a minute and a half, and they have to be good problem solvers. They listen for a minute and a half, and then they say, okay, well, let's try this, or let's do this, when often what's really needed is the kid just needs to have someone listen to his or her feelings, you know, needs to, to unload. We used to call it getting it off our chest, you know, and if the parent can ask the kid to, if they have any ideas and do they want to be part of the solution, then, then the kid will feel like they have some power, and they'll know how to deal with the problem in the future. Wow! How so do you it, train a? How do you train an entire generation of parents to do that? Because the natural response—I know it's Tom and Catherine's response in a situation like that—that we believe that when a child comes and is hurt, our um, job is immediately to fix it. Right. Fix to it. fix it. Fix it immediately. Don't let the hurt go on any further. Um, that idea, and, and I really do appreciate and understand the idea of being able to just sit and listen to let someone vent um, and let them go through their story. But, yeah, geez, it's because difficult what, what because I'd be wanting to, to rush down. Something is that, that the emotions get shoved away yeah. and shoved away, yeah. and then we end up with all the disease later in life and road yeah. rage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all true. Catherine Mayfield, our guest award-winning author of Bullied, Why You Feel Bad Inside and What to Do About It, and The Box of Daughter, Healing the Authentic Self. Now, Catherine Mayfield, how, how were you bullied when you were a child? Well, I was, I was bullied in school. Um, one experience, I was slapped around a little bit. Ooh. I was called four eyes and metal mouth by a lot of the kids. But the primary bullying in my life came from my parents. Ooh. And they were good people. They went to church every Sunday. They volunteered in the community, but it was exactly the way they had been brought up. They just did to their kids what, what their parents had done to them. And we were a very religious family, and out in public we were perfect. We were very moral. We were very good people. We had this perfect image. And when we got home behind closed doors, you know, all of it just came out. And it was constant criticism, belittling, you know, forcing this and forcing that. And if you don't do this, you know, that's going to happen. And, you know, we, we aren't listening to you. You know, we're just you're going to do what we want. So that's that's my experience. I have a number of years of experience with this. So I that's that's why I wrote the book basically is to help kids who are going through that kind of thing either at home or at school. Then who could you possibly go to for help if it's your mom and dad? You can't go to school teachers. Who did you go to? What did you do with that? Well, I, you know, to be honest, I didn't know it was happening to anybody else. And I had a couple people in my childhood really stand up for me. One was a, a youth minister and one was a music teacher. And that helped me understand that people would stand up for me. But I've heard, when I speak in front of groups, I've heard a lot of school nurses 
say that they've heard stories. And I guess the school nurse is a person the child feels comfortable with. They're, they're in school as a, a friend and caretaker as much as, you know, an authority figure. You know, so I, I would say, you know, go to a, a youth minister if you have one. Go to a school nurse. Um, and the first thing maybe a kid might say is, I need to talk about something that's going on at home, but I need you not to tell my parents. I was going to say the dilemma is for the child is if they rat their parents out on something like that, that they're putting their parents in the jackpot. and uh, For more, for, yep. And that means more coming my way, or my parents uh, get separated from me. And, and even though I'm, I'm being verbally abused, I still love my parents, and I still need that structure, and I still need their protection. So, yes. so the fear that I'm going to destroy my life by, by trying to save my life is a is an awful paradox to put a child in. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And the the only way out, in my case, was waiting till I got to the point in my life when I was able to understand how you know the the relationships had affected me, and to be able to in in therapy, I have to admit, you know, to begin to sort of get rid of some of that stuff from my past. I mean, by the I was I was numb and unfocused up until I was in my 30s just because I didn't know any differently. I thought I was defective. I thought I was totally unlovable. I thought I did everything wrong, even though I got good grades and held down a job and kept an apartment. I still thought I was just wrong, you know. And the only thing I think we can do in that instance is just somehow let kids know it's not always going to be this way. When you're an adult, things will be different. You know, when you're an adult, other people are different. You know what amazes me? You mentioned earlier your parents, religious people. But uh-huh. uh, you got home, you got bullied. I find it fascinating that uh, from a political viewpoint, the farther right, the religious right, and the ultra-progressive liberals, they're the same exact person because they're both mean as hell. And I, <laughs> I don't know why that is. I'm progressive mm. and liberal. You're mean as hell. Oh, I'm a I'm a man of God, a woman of God. I I'm a, you're mean. You bully your own child. These people they have they're the exact same person because I think you get so far apart. You meet back again when you when it comes back around again. You meet there. I I just I can't believe how mean some people think they're. Oh, I'm tolerant and I'm forgiving and I'm a no. You're not. You're mean as hell. That's a really interesting point. Well, don't you think it's true, though? I do think it's true, and I I think the root of it is repressed anger. No question. The root of all of it is repressed anger in our society. You know, we're not supposed to get angry, not even in a healthy way, so it all comes out on the kids who can't really fight back, you know, Mm -hmm. won't won't cause any trouble. I, I think repressed anger is a huge issue in our society. Now, Catherine, let me ask you a question. Your parents, how, were they ultra-religious? They they were pretty ultra-religious, yep. The reason they I ask you that Christ. is, what I love is if the ultra-religious, the far right there is, they think they have, <laughs> they've taken a position, they can damn you to an eternal suffering. Well, that's not mean at all, though. You're going to burn in hell. Well, that's not mean at all. Well, no, that's, that's great. right. The they can who... cause you all manner of pain, <laughs> and if it's in the name of the Lord, you know, then then it's it's righteous. Yeah. But I can tell you, there is a converse to that. I was um, my grandchildren over the house, uh, and they were uh, running and uh, chipping paint off walls and uh, seeing oh, how, oh. how big a strawberries they could get on their legs and screaming and hollering and and. Uh, uh, my daughter, the mother, was saying, no, you don't do that in Grandma and Grandpa's house. You do that in our house. <laughs> you don't do that in their house because we have rules. Um, and so the boy came over, uh, and I said, you know, when I was your age, you know, if I uh, did that kind of stuff, I'd get a spanking. And he just looked at me dumbfounded. The mm-hmm. mother, my daughter, said, he doesn't know what that word means. No, of course not. I said, oh, you, he doesn't know what the word spanking means? Well, no wonder he's doing that. <laughs> well, that's nice. Andy, you had a point? Uh, well, I was going to say that people who know what they're talking about when it comes to at least Christianity 
Uh, no, they can't damn or judge anyone because apparently in that religion, God is the only being in the universe who can judge that's correct. people. Yeah, that's right. correct. There you go. But, but that's they when, do they say, when they say God damn you, they're saying, right. may God damn you to hell. Well, but I mean like when you say like you're going to go to hell, well, you don't know that. Of course not. God knows that. You'll not burn in you. hell for that. I actually saw a woman one time, and I'm not kidding, Ms. Mayfield, say she she kind of teared up and said, I feel so bad because my mother won't accept the Lord, and therefore I know she's going to burn in hell. You said that about your own mother? Okay. Well, my mother whatever. used to say things like that, too. See, that's what I'm saying. I hope I meet you in heaven, oh, which, yeah. of course, made me feel like I was going to the other place. Yeah, there was a chance you wouldn't meet her in heaven. <laughs> that is unbelievable, Catherine. Again, award-winning author of Bullied, Why You Feel Bad Inside and What to Do About It, and The Box of Daughter, Healing the Authentic Self. Catherine Mayfield, you've been a great guest, and uh, if anybody bullies you, give me a call. I will, and thank you so much for having me on the show. (laughs) Oh, it was great having you on. It was great, great talking about because it seems that you're at peace with everything now, and that's a nice nice tone you have to your voice. I'm getting there. (laughs) Keep working. Keep working. Catherine. Catherine Mayfield, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, she was very sweet, I thought. I gave you a three, by the way. Yeah, I did. Um, I know Mike's backing me up on this, but (laughs) but, uh, I, I have to mention, I got two threes on that interview. Okay. But you ask a question, and she said, that's a great question. And I gave you a three. Without you gave even, me a three. Without even you being here, I held up both hands. <laughs> well, everybody else is watching on YouTube, so, <laughs> you know, that's They the thought big I was difference. giving myself a three. Very nice of you, Don. I've got to mention two things. We have to go in about 60 seconds here for our quick break. But have you guys seen, it's up on MSN.com today, The Devil Baby? <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'm obsessed God. with it. So funny. Is this from the National Enquirer? What is it? No, it's it's like a robot. Prank. The prank. They dress this robot up like a little baby, and it looks – you guys got to watch it during the break. There, you have to watch the double, <laughs> double baby crazy. prank and also the flying uh, Grim Reaper. Uh-huh. Tom <laughs> Mabe has a flying Grim Reaper that prank. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, Scares the – Piss out of people. There's this one when the, this baby is crying in, a, in an abandoned stroller. So they, the people see the abandoned stroller. And, by the way, the, the stroller is mechanized so they can drive it around wherever they want. <laughs> no one has to push it. And the baby, you can hear the baby crying in there. So people oh, come I, over. And, I just saw the face. Isn't that? Oh, <laughs> did you see it wasn't moving yet? No, oh, it's impressive. You, it is. It looks so real. It's a promotion for a movie. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, that's yeah, why it's, it's a promotion. For oh, a I got it. Horror the baby film. jumps up. Devil's Do is the name. Yes, of the, the film. baby jumps up out of the crib. Well, that's how they managed to uh, make it so realistic. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to say anything about my neighbors as a kid, man, but black people sure do get the piss scared out of my Oh my god! Oh, isn't no, that thing this, amazing? Jeez. Oh, if I saw that, I would just die. I know. I would just have a heart attack right there and die. Okay, do me a favor. All of you watch <laughs> Flying Grim Reaper Prank, Tom Mabe, M-A-B-E. It's on, it's on YouTube. And by the way, the Devil Baby thing has gotten three and a half million views on YouTube. Sam Pazulo is one of the video's producers. Oh, my he, God. Said, he said the one guy actually peed his pants. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, what, sure what, is he did. The, what is the name of the Tom Mabe oh. piece? Flying. Uh, Flying Grim Reaper Prank. Okay. It's hilarious because it goes. <laughs> you have to you have to watch it with audio. What What's is it? the devil baby thing called? Devil, devil baby, baby attack. attack. Okay, yeah. so devil I was right. Devil baby attack. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it dialed oh, up. You guys watch all that stuff, and then we'll be back in a few minutes with part two of the TomBernardShow.com. 